0: Hey, everybody, another Step Outside podcast coming to you right now. You're tuning in. Thank you for tuning in as we jump back up to the wonderful waters of Harvey Bay. You might have seen on today's episode. Or the recent episode of Step Outside with Paul Burt, fishing with Andrew chosset Harvey Bay, Fly and Sport Fishing. This bloke, and he is the best in the business. He's the gun and he's online with us right now. Hello, mate. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. Great to be back again. Ah, mate, thank you for your time. I tell you what, it has been an absolute interesting start to 2022. You'd have to
1: agree. Oh, it has, mate. It's blowing five million knots up here today. It is howling <laughs> <laughs> southeaster. Mate, we've had horizontal rain, massive
0: seas blasting up and down the coast over the past month. Some days it's good, other days it's not. But then again, you know, it's sort of that's just a weather pattern for summer. We get lows, we get cyclonic conditions, we get uh you know, all this wild weather. The Mariborough River there at Mary. I've got to say that river.
1: That's been pretty yeah, yeah. that's been pretty big. Yeah, no, big flood. I think it went over nine meters or something at the um, yeah the Lemington Bridge there, and it's all come down, and yeah, it's slowly uh, clearing up again now. So things looking good.
0: What does it do to the uh, to the bay up there at Harvey Bay? Does it uh, discolour the water a lot? I mean, you've got a lot of water movement between Bundaberg and Rooney Point, so clearly you yep. get a a a quickly uh, flushed out water system, I'd imagine
1: yeah it does mate. you still get it. it's still trickling out of the mare even dirty now, but it does tend to stick to the shipping channel, so it'll sort of goes past the muang pier if you know where that is, and then sort of scoops out towards Bundaberg way, but sort of the waters north of Moon Point on the on the eastern side of uh, Harvey Bay are pretty clean
0: mate tell me uh on on the show today we we're out there targeting black marlin on skirted lures, and it seems to be probably one of the, the easiest ways to target these fish because you just you know normally you just throw them out the back there and fingers crossed you get a hook up but it, there's a little bit more science to it and that is your your troll speed your your drag settings because you know if you're not trolling at the correct speed the lures aren't really working is 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 that right and and, and what sort of lures should we be using to target specific sized fish I mean that that's yeah. something you'd know about
1: Yeah so we're up here and you know you get this run down you know all the way down the Gold Coast but I think they chase them differently down there but proser coast fish um, these little males. we use like we do use a lot of skirted lures so um, anything sort of that 5 to 6 inch range I like mm. uh, a bit smaller obviously smaller than what you're for your big stuff um, and in, in a range of colours and, and patterns as well so we also use like a cup face sort of pusher or skirted lure and then also we run a few of the smaller jet jet head styles as well so yeah, the smaller variety, I guess you would say, in, in that skirted lure range.
0: I guess it's got to match the hatch with a bait that's you know being pushed up there around the point or wherever you are. If you're over in uh, you know the Carratha Coast or Pilbara Coast or North Queensland, is to use the lure that matches the hatch. So if they're targeting or eating small yakers that it might only be four or five inches long, you're going to use a bait that is similar to that size lure and lure to that bait. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we we get a bit of garfish along the edges there at Rooney's Point there. Uh, we get flying fish, and generally our flying fish are quite small. Um, so, you know, we've got to keep it, and the fish are small as well. So uh, we've got to keep that there, yeah, that match the hatch and that, that size down a little bit. Uh, not saying something a bit bigger won't work, but certainly get more bites when you're in that sort of four to six inch range.
0: Mate, the the gear that you're trolling with now, a lot of people you know instantly head to an overhead. But you, you sort of you you went to a spin reel. Is that because the fish are, are not too big? Although you do get the odd bigger one come through. But you know, is it more that you are multitasking or multi using that particular outfit that is going to be universal? You could use it for jigging, you could use it for spinning. You're going to use it for trolling.
1: Yeah, a bit of everything there. Um, most of our works charter work and. I just find because they're fish, they're not not taking big screaming runs, and it's not deep water, so you don't need the line capacity that an overhead gives you. Yeah. Um, and also, I found that the our client base a lot of them have never used overhead. okay. And they just they can get themselves in trouble pretty quickly um, with that. And we're trying to make it you know the, for the novice angler as easy as possible, so everyone's used a spinning reel, um, so we stick to that to that style, and we also use We've got some dedicated outfits which have mono on them, obviously, for the, for the Marlins, and then we still use the spinning reels for that. But we also do have braided, you know, our normal spin outfits we'd use on tuna and everything. We also use those on those days where we're mixing it up because you can't carry 20 rods on a on small <laughs> boat. So yeah. we need something that's versatile.
0: Mate, the Saragossa... Uh... Reels, the eight thousand, ten thousand, etc. The, the, they really are a workhorse of a reel from Shimano, uh, mate. Hard, hard to kill them uh, and very tough yep. and durable.
1: Oh, absolutely! I've used them uh, exclusively for since that new, pretty much since that new Saragosa come out. Um, mm. And you just can't break them. Like, yeah, I've I've actually had and tried a few other other options and. Yeah, uh, from other manufacturers, and that that Saragosa is the best being reel, in my opinion, for hard work.
0: And it's the price point's pretty much bang on as well, compared to a say a Stellar or Twin Power. Is that you know the Saragosa is that middle of the field, um, and definitely affordable for for reel that's going to give you. the the hard yards that's required. I've got a 20,000, I've got a a 10,000 as well, but the the 20,000 we take out to wreck Reef out in the middle of the ocean. And that thing there, you're spinning up wahoo, you're spinning up big yellowfin tuna and all this sort of stuff, like crazy stuff, and then big dogtooth tuna. And, mate, the real, this is for the last few years. Now, the only service, I'll I'll tell everyone at home, the only service I do is a bit of CRC when I I take the spool off, I spin the reel, spin the handle, and I spray CRC or WD forty onto the onto the the, uh, the the neck of the spline that comes out as it goes up and down, goes back in, and I'm ready for next year. That, that's that's all I've done that's with it. this thing. I haven't put any grease inside it, but it still feels super smooth, mind you. I'm only using it, you know, a few times the year when I do these big trips, but it's getting an absolute ball tearing of a workout during those times. They're a good reel.
1: Yeah, no, perfect reel. Great for great for anybody. Um, yeah, they're just yeah I can't say enough about them they're just they're they're the real to buy. I mean I was looking for a spin reel um that's you know snapper sort of size class fish to gts or whatever even bigger that's the reel
0: mate tell me about the uh you use braid on that reel um how does it go with the rod that you're matching? what are you putting on to say what are you running like an eight thousand so I'd imagine or ten?
1: Yeah, so if if we've got two different outfits there. So a dedicated um, trolling marlin sort of uh, outfit. We're running um, either eight, eight or fifteen kilo mono on them. Uh, eight kilo, eight kilo on the six thousand, and we're just running a um, a grappler, a seven foot grappler P three, I think, because we use that rod for our braided work outside the marlin season. So I'm just running that. It's a pretty basic setup yep. um, with eight kilo, and then. The uh, other ones on the 8 and 10,000, I think we have the the next grappler up. Um, might be P4 or something, 5, but because we use that as a crossover when we're chasing um, stick baiting for GTs and stuff. So basically, if we're going to go right over, we've got three-month season, let's just top shot 100 metres mono for these little blacks. Yeah, And that's, that's the way we're fishing them.
0: Wow. And that's it. So it just uh, And 100 metres is enough to stop that. I mean... You know, we're talking fish around. What, what's the bigger black marlin that you get off Rooney Point inside the bay? 20, 30, um,
1: 40 kilos? Yeah, big ones that size. But also, we've got probably, you know, 200 metres of braid as backing there. So, it's just 100 metres of mono top shot just to get that uh, shock absorption out of the mono. Yep. Um, and that that's plenty. That's plenty enough for our fish anyway.
0: Mate, um, so you're running the grappler. Great rod. Fantastic rod. Um great little um you can get them spin and overhead uh, for, for micro jigging. I use a P3, P4. They're they're great on the on the little reels. Um yep. but mate, what, your troll speed, when you put the lure out the back, um there's an optimum speed to get the lure to work in the favor that you need it to work. You don't want it just wallowing in the water, not doing anything, and you don't want to go too fast that it's you know, the skirt overtakes the head when it plops out. What yep. sort of speed do you find to be optimum for towing a skirt for
1: a Marlin? Well, mostly between five and seven knots is a general a good general speed. You've got to look at your lures and see what see what lures you're using. What I use, um, you know, as long as they're popping like every between a five and a fifteen second window, you want it to come up and breathe, what they say, or pop where it just breaks the surface and then it goes down and gives that big smoke smoke trail. Yep. So you want that to pop every five to ten seconds and, and look you know, not spinning or blowing out or anything like that. So look at your look at your spread because you might be using different lures. that might need a slower speed or a higher speed, whatever it may be. But general rule, five to seven knots is, is the go.
0: And I guess it also also depends on conditions. Like if you have got a bit of chop, a bit of wind. It's you know, like you said, it's blowing a hell of hell of a lot up there at the moment. Is that if you if yeah. you're out there and there's a bit of chop pushing through, is you may have to slow down a bit because if you go too fast coming down the crest of a wave, then clearly you know the lure is going to not perform to its best it's going to you know fall out of the water so to speak and that happens so the, the skirt overtakes yep. the head you know they, they trip around themselves but mate, when you do hook up uh, do you have a drag set to a heavier side of things given we're using spinning reels not a lever drag that has a preset drag on strike so are you having a lighter drag set and then you're tightening up the drag when the fish strikes or what, what's it go
1: yeah, it is tricky with the spinning reels because unless you're like pulling your drag with a um, you know like a line tester to get the weight, um, you're never going to know what you're really set of that. But I like it firm. So the old the old thing used to be a third of the braking strain. I'm probably a little bit under that, um, but I do like because they're such little fish. I do like them to turn and swim away. So if you have it too tight, they just the little ones. So just you, can, you just pretty much pull them forward, and then they'll never get to be able to turn and slide that hook in. Yeah. So I do like it just a little bit lighter than what you would use on the bigger class fish, but, um, say per, per kilo ratio of your line class. So, yeah, just a little bit lighter, get it. Get them swimming away and then, you know, you can just use a boat, just accelerate a little bit and um, drive away and start turning back onto the fish and that seems to, seems to be the
2: go. When
0: you are fighting the fish, obviously keeping your rod tip up, pump and wind, uh, you know, you, your fish is going to be acrobatic. It's going to jump out of the water most of the time anyway. Uh, when you get them close to the boat, I find that the smaller fish are a lot more flighty than the bigger fish and probably a little bit more dangerous to handle than the bigger fish. How do you find that? How do you cope with that? How do you try and eliminate them from getting, you know, too close to the boat and jumping up into the boat?
1: Yeah, well, basically, um, when they are a bit close to the boat, the harder you pull, the harder they'll kind of pull yep. uh, a fair bit. So, we we try to just go a little bit gentle on on the fish and keep the boat in, in gear. So when you do get it alongside, you're pulling, you're sort of pulling on the fish, and it's sort of tending want to go down more than it wants to go up. So when you do get the fish alongside, and you get that wrap on the leader. Make sure it's in gear. That's probably the number one thing because you know I've had it myself in plenty of situations where I don't have anyone on board but myself and the and the and a client where I've had the dead boat. The fish, because it's just come in quickly, all of a sudden, then you do find yourself in a little bit of trouble in that situation. Um, dead boating and leadering a, a little marlin can be quite dangerous.
0: Yeah, I've seen them. Uh, I've had them jump through the riggers uh, and get caught up through the rigger, and then you know fall back into the water. But then you've got to try and untwine your uh, your rod. Around the uh, the line of the rigger, but it's it's a bit of a pain. But uh, obviously, the bigger fish can create a fair bit of a drama there as well, particularly when they jump in the boat, mate. Um, you get one up beside the boat. Uh, you grab the bill. You're using a glove. Clearly, you need a glove for these. Um, what's what's the deal then? You dehook. You swim the fish and
1: release. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. So basically, you want yeah the boat's still in gear when you got the fish. Keep boat in gear all the time. Um, one thing you'd be mindful of is the shark situation, what's going on there. Um, look at the sound. make sure there's no, no big toothy sitting right under the boat. Last thing you want to be doing is hanging on to a garland with a shark on the other end. So you've got to be a little bit mindful of that. So quicker the better on all situations. And as if it is super sharky, um, you know, and you feel it's safe, the safest practice is to actually get the fish out of the water for yourself. Um, you know, you've got to look after yourself. Before the fish, in some situations, you can't lose a hand for the sake of saving a fish.
2: True.
1: So you know we've had we've had plenty of situations where we've just had a small fish. We've just had to grab it in. because you can lift them in quite easily. Not like a big fish where you're dragging out know, the gunnel or anything. And yeah. You can get two people and lift it comfortably, get the hook out really quick, and then just get it back as soon as you can. Um, and if there is a shark under the boat when all that's happening, it's a good idea. Like it only takes a few seconds to go. 50, 100 hundred metres, just go the boat and get away from danger, basically, and then yeah. get him back in the water really quick and, and swim or send him away. Mate, do you
0: think do you think Marlin can see colours? Or I mean, because colours of the rainbow are found within the skirted lures. I mean, you know, you, you've got your oilies, you've got your, your ice creams, you've got uh, you know, your lumos, and all these other different mm-hmm. colours. I mean, do you, is there a specific colour range that you like to use that the fish
1: would? Wow, we've caught them on everything from pink to the lumo, chartreuse to black. And wow. I, I, I'm still a little bit not sure about colours, to be honest. <laughs> um, you know, everyone has their favourite colour, but if that's the only lure you put out, that's where you're going to catch all your fish on. So, yeah, true.
2: Um,
1: I think on different days, different conditions, it's good to have a couple of different colours in the spread. Um, so no point having a spread of all the same lure. So, you know, we, we, do, we like that, that um, black, I forget what it's called. It, um, it's a darker colour in the Pekula range, but also your, your Black Magic. Um,
0: that's the oily, is that the oily one. Is that like, yeah, the oily one? It's like a real dark purple. Dark it's, yeah, it's got that nice yeah. sort of shine to it when you turn it to the right. Um, that, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah,
1: that's perfect. I'm a big fan of that purpley colour. That's, yeah. that's a good one. And obviously anything bright, chartreuse, lumos whatever, those type of colours, something like that in the spread's always got to be good.
0: The leader you're attaching your lure to, are you running um, obviously a fluorocarbon or jinkai? Uh, what are you running to, to, you know, for these smaller black marlin? Are, are you sort of pushing around the 80 to 100 pound or a bit, little bit more in the yep. heavier leader?
1: Yeah, 100 pound's good. Um, you can run under, like, they're not leader shy at all, but um, 100 pound or more, between 100 and 150 pound is good uh for, for leader uh the heavier you go the obviously you catch it you get a big one on and you, you're not going to get rubbed off and if you catch multiple fish you don't have to you know start repairing um leaders and all that sort of thing so 100 pounds good and then from the that's on your lure sort of to your um to your snap swivel and then from there on you'd be running i run like 60 um, for on the rod end, and because you know if you've got to get a big one and it gets a bit dangerous, unless you've got that sixty there, you can usually break that off if you need to yeah, quite yeah. easily. You might lose your lure or whatever, but if, if things go pear shaped, you need some give somewhere in the system, um, and then it'll go to your to your fifteen kilo mono.
0: And of course, your hook. I mean, your hook. What are you running? Like an SL nine o or eleven o or, or something, or what's the size hook that you're running?
1: Yeah, so it's about nine o hook. Yeah. Um, or if you're using SL12, if you want to,
2: yeah.
1: a lot of people change the hooks on their lures because, they, you know, they're all just the nature of the beast. They go blunt when they've done a couple of hundred Ks getting trolled around the place. Yeah. Um, so you got to, hook sharpness is, is probably one of the most crucial things with these little black marlins. So always have a hook sharpener on board somewhere so you can uh, sharpen your hooks. And, and you need to check your hooks probably every hour or so just to, Make sure that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on when you're dragging steel through the water, electrolysis yep. um, effect happening and that bluntens them and you get just water pressure blunting that the point of the hook. So... Check them all the time. Make sure they're sharp. Um, it doesn't take long just to run run one in every now and then. Just check it, put it out because that could be the difference between you know a fish and, and not not landing a fish.
0: And that's the thing, electrolysis. When you when you are running lures through the water with the stainless steel hooks, in particular, is that you do get that the tip comes off. Particularly with chemically sharpened hooks as well. Even if you're snapper fishing or live baiting or anything like that, is check your, the tip of the hook because surprisingly, if the hooks, even if it's good quality. Is the tip can become so blunt? It might feel sharp, but it's not hook sharp. But it, yeah, and, you know, and and that's a big thing. A lot of people don't understand. They think, well, my hook, I just put it on. But two hours later, you might be needing to give it a bit of a sharpen. Some people actually put lead, uh, wrap a little bit of lead around the the shank of the hook as well. Whether that detracts yeah. away from you know, the electrolysis moves to that, like you do on a on a um, sacrificial anode of a boat, I'm not entirely yeah, sure. Mm, but it's a you know, there's yeah. there's a lot of that that really. It makes sense, um, you know, if you know what you're doing, to uh, to to add those little extras to make sure you got a hook that is sharp, mate. Um, yep. if if you're getting your, your fish is taking the run, it's it's jumping out of the water. Are you a big fan of of keeping the rod tip always bent by just continuing to wind? Because we're talking about customers who may have, like you said, a lot of people haven't used a, an overhead. They're running an egg beater, but I mean, I always say. To my young fellow when he's catching a marlin particularly when he's first started out, I said mate just keep whining, don't stop, your drag's going to f- play against you uh, in, in the way that the fish will run but if you just keep whining that means you're always going to have a loaded rod tip and when he jumps up, you know you're going to stay connected. Is that something you do or you, you go yeah. against that? What do you do?
1: No, no, absolutely no, you need to keep tension on it, any slack line you're in trouble so hmm. um, keep, keep whining, keep tight and just watch what's going on. Obviously if it's Doing a thousand kilometer run the other direction there's no point to be winding, but <laughs> yeah, soon as that soon as that sort of um, that first runs come to a bit of an end, yes, yeah, you need to keep winding keep pressure on. And a lot of anglers, it, it's so um, I guess adrenaline pumped in the moment, yeah. um, so different to any other fish. Don't, they don't, they can't think. All I, all they can think about is winding. So that that's a good thing. Just keep the rod tip, better keep the rod bent because once a, when the rod's bent, you know there's pressure. So yeah. If you have a stray rod tip and the fish jumps, you can often get that slack line very quickly. So keep it bent. Um, if it's your first fish, try to keep it a little bit low, maybe pull it to the side a bit so it's bending but not allowing the fish to want to jump. Um, but obviously, if you've caught a few fish, you want to have a bit of fun with it. Yeah, just yeah, let it, let it have a little jump around. That wears them out. It's another good tactic to, to get them quick, I guess, but there's also the yeah. downside is the hook's going to fall out. Mate, tell me
0: about the, uh, the trolling into the sun or away from the sun. What what increases the chances of a hookup? Because the fish, you know, coming glare into its eyes can have a, a missed strike. Uh, We're supposed yes. maybe going with the sun. They're coming in behind it. Therefore, the, 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 the um, there's not a silhouette on the lure, but it's, it's bright onto the lure. So he's got a, a better chance of a hookup. Is that about right or wrong?
1: Yeah, look, it is a thing. It's, it's a double-edged sword there because uh, sometimes you're going into the sun. So you're, you're travelling into the sun, the fish is looking into the sun, but you're looking back at the spread and you can see everything that's going on because you've got the sun behind you.
2: True. So,
1: you know, that you can adjust yourself to, the, to that situation. If a fish is there and he looks like he's a bit bit weird, you could just turn the boat a little bit and that might create a bite or speed it up or whatever. If you're travelling the other way, you're staring into the sun, you won't even see the bite, but the fish might be able to see the lure better. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword on that front. Um I don't really think I've had too many um, issues either either way with that. A lot of our fishing up here is more current uh, driven, or tide driven. so the fish the find will often be biting one way. in some ways it, sometimes it's never it's never one way or the other, but on on a particular day it' always be either into the tide or with the tide, the fish will be certainly um, uh, biting or feeding that way. So that's more 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 to do with it on our front than uh, than the sun.
0: Maybe just head north south because the sun's east west. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you, you go. You side onto it. You side onto it. everyone's. Well,
1: north south always going to be the current, isn't and then if you're fishing on the towards the shelf, pretty much more or less. Um, but here here we've got a current that's going e- or tides that's going east west um, on the uh, on the main flat there that or main pressure edge that we fish.
0: Mate, tell me about Harvey Bay fishing at the moment. How's it going up there? I mean, uh, we're coming into the, the the sort of like the mid to end of summer shortly. Uh, what's the next species we start to to, to produce in, in your neck of the woods for people wanting to head up that way? Uh, yes,
1: yeah, so tunas are about to come on. So we actually had a few little, talking about marlins, we did have a few little micro marlins the other week come in. There's a school of, uh, a friend of mine saw a school of um, about a dozen or two dozen little three, four kilo marlins and caught a couple. Wow, that's so um, They're so, small. They're so yeah, which is, yeah, which is pretty pretty cool. Yes, yeah. um, yeah, so we don't know if that was a actually a spawning, early spawners from October up at Cairns, wow. possibly.
2: Yep.
1: Uh, but yeah, that was pretty cool. But um, other than that, it's sort of, um, we're coming into our season where we get the tunas. So mac tuna, long tail tuna, queen fish as well, mixed in with them. Uh, Golden Torelli, sort of our pelagic, um, seasons about to kick off. Yep. Um, when we say pelagic, I mean like schooling fish on the surface, more more so than yep. than black marlin. Um, so yeah, that's about the, the start. There's a few tunas turning up now. So yeah, usually between now and Easter, it's it's tuna time for us.
0: And how long does that last for, mate? So before we start to see the uh, you know the, the 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 schooling fish are moving, but the bottom fish are starting to
1: become a yeah, bit right more active. Through. Yeah, right. So to about May, uh, late May, even June, and then yeah, we start you know doing a snapper cycle and um, rallies on jigs and stuff deeper in the water column. Yep. Um, but yeah, between now and sort of May end of May.
0: Yeah, cool, man. I'll tell you what, it's going to be a it's a it's a favourable spot up there because you got sport fishing action, which is you know what you target. Then you've got jigging action, which is what you guys do, and then you've got uh, live baiting as well. It's another option that you guys offer. There's so many different yep. opportunities for an angler. To fulfil the bucket list, all in one spot.
1: Yeah, yeah. We we tend to cover a lot of different ranges. We don't have a style that we sort of force upon people. We just do what what's going to work on the day, more or less. And there's some people just want to, you know, they want to go and chase a few reefies. That's fine. If they you know want chase pelagics, that's fine. They want to do it on fly. That's you know, we we try to cater for everyone, so it's good.
0: Good on you, mate. Hey, Chos, thanks for your time today, Matty, on our podcast. Greatly appreciate it. I'm, I'm sure a, a lot of people out there learned something from our chat on the topic of trolling skirted lures for marlin today because it, it is something that a lot of people can do, and not just for marlin. They can put the skirts out there for the dolphin fish or anything, but it gives them an idea of the rigs they can use. You don't need an overhead for these you know, the smaller to average size fish. You can get away with something that's comfortable, and if the angler is comfortable, then it makes the experience a lot more beneficial towards the end of the day.
1: Yep, absolutely. And just get out and uh, give it a go. There's plenty of online information and yeah, just and, and game fishing clubs too. That's another um, you know, thing that people forget about. So yeah, get out there and give it a crack.
0: Good on you, mate. And how can people find you there, Charles? What's your details, buddy?
1: Uh yep, so Instagram is Harvey Bay Sport Fishing and Facebook Harvey Bay Flying Sport Fishing and website uh Harvey Bay Good on you, mate.
0: Greatly appreciate your time, buddy. You have yourself a wonderful day, and we'll be seeing you up there in the beautiful Harvey Bay waters over the next couple of months, no doubt. It's only just a three-hour drive north of Brizzy, four hours from the Gold Coast. You can find your, find your way up there. Plenty of accommodation. Thanks, mate. Good on you, buddy.
1: See you then, mate. Thank see, you.
0: See you, mate. It's choice from Harvey Bay Flying Sport Fishing. I tell you what, you want to get up there, jump onto the uh, even Harvey Bay Tourism, and you'll be able to find all the local accommodation houses that uh, you might want to stay at. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening up to our Step Outside podcast. And as we love to say, may your rod bend often.